Hallelujah. We praise you, Jesus. We praise you, Jesus. Hallelujah. We praise you, Lord. Hallelujah. 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 Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Come on, raise your hands up to the Lord. Every hand raised to the Lord. We praise you, Father. Hallelujah. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. We praise and worship you, God. Yes, Jesus. Yes, Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. We praise you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Lord, you're worthy. Lord, you're worthy. Lord, you're worthy. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. The Lord is worthy of our praise. The Lord is worthy of our praise. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. What have the Seahawks ever done for you? What has Macy's or Nordstrom ever done for you? What has 7-Eleven ever done for you? I, I don't know about you, but these people are not blessing me. But the Lord is blessing me. He's worthy of my praise. Let's worship Him. Lord, you're worthy of my praise. You and you alone are worthy of my praise, Jesus. Lord, I place you on high. Lord, I place you on high. Hallelujah. 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 We worship you, Jesus. Praise be to God. Hallelujah. I'm going to let you be seated. Amen. I want to say thank you to those of you that showed up yesterday for our dinner. Thank you again to Sister Schoonover for all the hard work that she put into that to honor the Johnstones. Amen. Amen. We're going to dismiss our children at this time to their classes. Our young people are going to have class upstairs. You're dismissed. Why don't everybody just stand? Why don't you shake somebody's hand that's standing there next to you? We can all stand. Tell someone it's good to see them today. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. It's my privilege to bring our bishop this time. He's going to minister to us. Let's just let the Lord have his way. Amen. Praise God. How are y'all? How many here have ever experienced a 
uh, an instant healing. Raise your hand if you have sometime in your life experienced an instant healing. Okay. How about if you have ever experienced a progressive healing? Hands all the way around. Okay. So what I want to talk to you about today is not foreign to you. I was, uh, I traveled to the Ukraine, the country of Ukraine with Bishop Chester Wright to do a conference. And now when I say conference, you know, American style, we think big facility, big crowd and a lot of activity going on. We were, uh, we were hosted at a, I think it was kind of a hotel on a college campus. Now, it didn't look like YVC or WSU or anything like that. It was very crude, but it was their campus. And the, the building that they hosted us in that they called, maybe, it was, maybe they didn't even call it a hotel. I thought it was a hotel. But it was, it was even cruder than the place where we were having the meetings. I was on the second floor of this three-floor facility, and when I got off the, there was an elevator, and started to walk down the hallway to the room, it was a tile-lined hallway. Not tile, what's that plastic-type stuff? Linoleum squares, something like that. It was somewhere between linoleum and tile. The only thing was, is they were not attached to the floor. So it was kind of crackly and noisy going down. And uh, the hotel room was very crude. You know, you took the faucet from the sink and you pulled it over into the tub to fill up the tub. There was one light bulb. We had to stop at the store and buy some tissue paper. And once I looked at the bed, I decided I'm not getting under those covers. And so for the entire week, I slept on top. It was rough. It was crude. And then the meeting room that we had was maybe around this size, but there was only, I think, two light bulbs. One on one side, one on another side. So it was very dimly lit. You could almost not even see the faces of the people in the back. And it was in that very rough and crude environment. Now, we walked back and forth to the hotel, to the meeting center. It wasn't very far, a few hundred yards. And uh, it was just a dirt path. And in, during one of these sessions, I noticed my arm started hurting. You know, like it was falling asleep. And I thought, wow, what's going on there? You know, I'm moving it. The session was ended and we started walking back to the hotel. And as soon as we were approaching the hotel, I noticed it was gone. I was fine. 
My arm was fine. And then a couple hours later, we would go back and we would do another session. And while I was sitting in the sessions, it came back. It was like, what in the world? This is, it's killing me. There's something going on here to my arm. Now, that happened three times. And then it dawned on me. I had been in a, in a meeting with Bishop Wright in Los Angeles, maybe six months prior to this, where I watched him. I observed him. When he began to call out to the people, is there anybody here? You got a pain going on the right side of your leg. And there were three people that raised their hand. And he said, Phew. in other words, it's you. It's not me. The Lord's just letting me feel these things for you. He had the people stand up. He didn't call them forward. He didn't lay hands on them. He just said, listen, stand up, raise your hand where you are. The Lord's going to heal you right where you are. Everybody began to pray and worship. And these people received healing in, the, in that moment. And then he would say, is there anybody experiencing pain down the left side of their neck? And, you know, one at a time, he began to call these out. For 45 minutes, I watched people stand up as we prayed for them and they were healed. I've been around Brother Wright a lot. I've traveled with him considerably. I'd never seen it done that way before. I've known him for 30 years. I haven't seen it since. It was the way God was doing it that day. And in that place among those people, and so I go to Bishop Wright and I say, there's something going on here with my arm. And I'm not completely sure what it is. But it reminds me when you and I were in Los Angeles and that thing was happening to you and you were, I think it's similar. He said, okay, I'm going to give you the mic in a minute. I said, wait, <laughs> no, 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 no. I just wanted to share this with you. I'm sure this is something God's going to do with you. Well, in the next session, he ministered, we prayed, he handed me the microphone. And I wasn't sure what to do. You see, I'm, at this point, I believe there's something present in the room that God intends to touch and minister to. But I begin to look with my natural eyes. And I spy out a woman near the back. She looks like death warmed over. And I'm thinking, it's got to be her. It's got to be her. And so when I called for those, I said, if there's anybody here and you are experiencing some kind of pain in your arm, three people stood up and she was not one of them. Oh no, now I'm in trouble. I don't know what to do here. But I thought, I'm, I'm going to try and not overstep this. I watched and experienced it, what I'd seen in, in Los Angeles. And I simply said, all right, stay right where you are. And we're just going to begin to pray. And as we begin to pray, there was a man about five feet from me sitting in the front. Older man, probably in his 60s. Of course, now I'm in my 60s. He began to swing his arm around like this and scream. Well, scared me to death. 
Everybody's praying, praying loud, but he's standing there swinging his arm like a windmill and screaming. Well, what I didn't know was he was born with a withered hand. He had a big coat on and you couldn't see any of this, but he was from birth. He was now 60 years old. And he was born with a withered arm. And he testifies to this day that in that moment, the Lord filled his arm with muscle. And he began to swing it around. Now I've talked to the missionary that was there since then, Brother Turner. He said to this day, this man travels the country of Ukraine sharing the testimony of how God instantaneously filled his arm with muscle. And I was amazed. Now back home, my wife's niece was born with a withered arm. And I don't know why, but I've prayed for her a hundred times. Every evangelist came through, prayed for her. Every time there was a move of God in the sanctuary, they'd bring old Gwen up to the front, you know. She'd try to, and we'd pray for her, and I've never seen it. Now, I, I accept that there are things that God allows and remains in people's lives for His own purposes and His own reasonings. Okay? I don't think there's, you know, Gwen was unrepentant in any way. I don't think it was a problem somewhere. I don't know. All I know was we prayed. But yet in this situation, in this other place, in this room, without calling anybody out specifically, we begin to pray and the Spirit of God swept through the room and this particular man was healed. There, there may have been other situations healed there. I don't know. I don't remember those details. I only remember the detail of this man. Okay? When I look to the Scripture, the Bible speaks of Jesus being moved with compassion. Now, I'll tell you what's important about Jesus. It's knowing who Jesus is. It's knowing He's the mighty God in Christ reconciling the world unto himself. Why is that important? Because the Bible said that there would come a time and a people upon this earth that people would lead other people to another Jesus. Unto another gospel. And so the, the validation of healing in this earth as whether being the hand of God is the God that people point to. Now you can go online and you can watch healings go on for hours. Different crusades by different individuals around the world and some of them are doing crazy things like barking like dogs and meowing like cats and there's a lot of goofy stuff out there. Spirits. People falling out and shaking all the way across the floor, all the way around the room. Swinging their arm, the whole place falling over on their back. And at the end of the night, ask, they appeal and say, now, why don't you accept the Lord into your heart? 
Why don't you acknowledge him right now? And they never take it any further to what we read in the book of Acts as the redemptive message of the applied blood through repentance and water baptism in the name of Jesus and the infilling of the Holy Ghost. Now, you want to accept the Lord as your Savior? Accept and receive the baptism of the Holy Ghost. He is our Redeemer. But that's here's the key. It's where we direct people to who have received a healing from the almighty hand of God. There was a time when the Lord sent out 70. He didn't even name them. He didn't say John, Mark, Paul, Bob, Shirley. He sent out 70 and this is what he said to them. Heal the sick. Raise the dead. Raise the dead. Wait a minute. minute. He's already gone. He's already gone. It's okay. No need to pray anymore. He's already gone. I've stood in that situation before. Do I, don't I? Do I, don't I? Directed at the Lord. I, I pray that I would be obedient to Him. Freely you have received. Freely give. I want to read an account to you. Actually, Brother Escobar and I did not talk before this, but he began to quote the text that I was going to read to you from when he opened the service. In the book of Luke, the 8th chapter, at verse 41, I'd like to begin reading. And behold, there came a man named Jairus. He was the ruler of the synagogue, and he fell down at Jesus' feet and besought him that he would come into his house. For he had only one daughter, about 12 years of age, and she lay a dying. But as he went, the people thronged him. Jairus has come. He's made his appeal. Jesus begins to move in that direction. But as Jesus begins to move in that direction, the people begin to throng him. and He can't move forward. There's so many people who have amassed around him. And a woman having an issue of blood 12 years which had spent all her living upon physicians, neither could be healed of any, came behind him and touched the border of his garment and immediately her issue of blood staunched. And Jesus said, who touched me? Now, We read of the times when the Lord sent others out. We read of the scriptures that say, I have given to you all power over sickness and disease and over all the power of the enemy. All right? And we we read of the directives given by the Lord. Go and heal the sick. Go and raise the dead. 
Freely you have received, freely give. But here, the onus is on the individual who needs the healing. Nobody from the crowd is being sent to her. Jairus has appealed for the Lord, the man Christ Jesus, to come to his house because his daughter is dying. But in the midst of the crowd, there's a woman. And she's trying to get close and she's pressing her way because something inside of her, somewhere the thought comes to her, if I can but touch the hem of his garment, I will be made whole. And she lets nothing get in her way and she begins to press. I know the Bible teaches us, I believe in the book of James, if there be any sick among you, let him call for the elders of the church. Let them anoint with oil in the name of the Lord. The prayer of faith shall save the sick. But that's not been spoken to this woman. There was a faith that rose in her. I can't wait for somebody to pray for me. I can't wait for, you know, like the man that was born of four, lowered down into the roof of the house. The Bible says it wasn't his faith, but it was their faith. If they could but get him into the presence of God, then possibly the Lord would heal him. And he did. He rose him from, the, from his bed. But it was not according to his faith. So we see in the Bible all of these various dynamics. We know that faith is an ingredient. We know that obedience is an ingredient. But we see the various dynamics. It's the Lord touching them. It's the uh, apostles speaking to them. It is uh, all these various situations. and, And now we see if... Maybe we could carry this man and bring him. And years ago, I saw my grandfather healed of cancer of the larynx because his daughters and wife put him on a plane and took him to a meeting that they never even got inside. He was never prayed for, but returned home and had been healed of cancer of the larynx, the throat. Because four people said, we'll have faith for you. Come on, Dad. Get in the plane. Let's go. It's amazing, these various dynamics and the approach to God. And here we are and find ourselves in sometimes one or two or maybe each one of these scenarios in our own life when we are needing a miracle from God. By the simple and quick uplift of your hand. I need a miracle. 
My wife needs a miracle. My child needs a miracle. Are there needs in this room today? Simple uplift of the hand. He sees every hand. He knows the dynamic of every circumstance. Now, when I have observed in the past some of these crusader types going from city to city and TV channel to TV channel, and they put on somewhat of a show, and they become the center of the situation themselves, either by the projection of their name, their ministry, whatever. I stand on the principle of the word that what the Father sees in secret, He will reward openly. What the Father hears in secret, what the Father sees in the midnight hour in secret, He'll reward openly without an open show. And He receives The glory. He receives the glory. Let my approach to him be one of humility. Let my approach to him be one of personal sincerity. An expression of faith. He must know where I am. He must know who I am. He must know the details of my very situation. That man that sat at the gate, beautiful, that when Peter and John walked by without a crowd, without a crusade, but just a simple speaking of the utterance that came to him, silver and gold, I don't have any. But such as I have, I know there's an anointing on my life. I know I've been baptized in Jesus' name. I know the authority of His name. And in the name of Jesus, rise up and walk. Hear me. He didn't get wounded a week ago. He didn't fall out of a car and get hurt. It was 40 years prior. He came into this world as a baby. Lame. Sometimes we come to God like we have to tell Him the, you know, the diagnosis. We gotta tell Him what the doctor said. We gotta tell Him what the need, we need these blood cells. We need these blood, you know, we need this fixed. We need, we need a new bone in the, you know, inner ear. We need this. And don't you think He knows exactly Don't you know He can form from nothing and make something? Come on, His presence is here. His power is here. His authority. It's here in this house. I want to skip to... 
another scripture setting. Book of James, chapter 5. At verse 15, James 5.15, in the prayer of faith, wait, oh, that's where that verse was. Let me go back and read verse 13. The writer of James is writing to believers. This isn't a crusade at downtown. This is among believers. And he says, is there any among you afflicted? Let him pray. Is any merry? Let him sing psalms. Is any sick among you? Let him call for the elders of the church and let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer of faith shall save the sick. And the Lord shall raise him up. And if he hath committed sins, they shall be forgiven him. The only way that can be true is if they are a people who have already been baptized in Jesus' name. Understand that? This appeal isn't to out there to anybody. Because the only way that he can forgive of these sins is if these are a people who've already taken on his name in the waters of baptism. Acts 2, Acts 8, Acts 10, Acts 19, Acts 22. Read them all. Confess your faults one to another and pray for one another that you may be healed. He's talking about us. Now, he's going to give us a little background. He's made a statement to us. He's, talk, he's, he's talking to us about the effectual fervent pair of righteous men. He's talking about the facts that we can pray one for another. If there's any afflicted among us, if there's any sick among us, call for the elders, anoint with oil, pray the prayer of faith. Now, he's trying to get us to get on board at his level of faith, the communicator, James. He's saying, this is real. This is a promise to you. Come on, come up a little higher. Walk in the faith that I'm trying to lead you in. And now he's going to give us a comparative from history. Elias was a man subject to like passions as we are. He prayed earnestly that it might not rain, and it rained not on the earth for the space of three years and six months. This was a historical account. They knew that that had happened. and They had faith to believe because it was Elijah. And James is saying... Elijah was a man just like you. He prayed again, and the heaven gave rain, and the earth brought forth her fruit. 
What is he saying? If Elijah can do this, we can do this. I've, I've spoken of several dimensions here. Several dynamics of where people are, where their faith is. There are some here that when you go to the Lord in your prayer closet, when you're alone in your car, when you get up from the bed in the nighttime hour, And you begin to appeal into a direction that you feel the Spirit of the Lord leading you. Waiting on God for His Word concerning any situation. My need for a miracle is not the same as your need for a miracle. But He's conscious of all the needs. Every need. We have to find that place in waiting on God. What is my approach? How are you wanting me to approach you, Lord? There is a tremendous value in waiting on God. But we we don't want to also step away from the dynamics that have just been shared. Of there being any sick, any afflicted. Let him call for the elders. And let them pray with oil and anoint, praying the prayer of faith in the name of the Lord. There's nothing too hard for the Lord. There's nothing too hard for the Lord. Why don't you stand? Brother Kyle, brother, where's Brother Mays? He's still up in his class. Brother and Sister Escobar. Sister, you can stay there. I'd like for you to come. I want you to come into the front here and face that back wall. I would encourage you that are here to pray and ask the Lord about your approach. And if you feel so directed, if you would come and stand before these, Brother Matthew, come on up front. Stand, come and stand before these and uh, ask them to anoint you with oil in the name of the Lord. That's what we're dealing with right now. I saw many hands raised earlier. I know you're praying. I know you're waiting on the Lord. 
and asking of him. Brother Vance, come up here and stand next to Matthew. Don't be afraid to speak to the individuals praying for you and telling them. Yeah. 
closed as we just wait on the Lord for a moment. Every eye closed as we wait on the Lord. His presence is here right now. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah, Jesus. 
In the name of Jesus. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Come on, can we just thank the Lord for all that he's doing? Thank you, Jesus. Thank you for your power, Jesus. Thank you for your power, Jesus. In the name of 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 Jesus. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. I remember a story that happened, something that took place probably in the neighborhood of about five or six years ago in a church service. Uh, I had a friend of mine about my age, and he had a, a son, uh, probably in three or four years old in that range. And uh, just during an altar service like this, at the end of a service, um, I had gone, we were praying for a few different people and a few different needs. And uh, I'll tell you, as soon I just knelt at the altar to pray, and as soon as I knelt at the altar... My, my friend's son and his name and his face, they were just as bright and clear in my spirit as I could imagine. And all I knew was, okay, I'm just going to pray for him. And I prayed and I felt, I mean, it was a powerful prayer. I know whatever the Lord was doing, he did in that moment because of the prayer that was made for an individual. And uh, it probably went on five or ten minutes. And uh, I thought that was that was strange. It was intense in the intensity of of the prayer that the Lord took me to for an individual regarding an individual who I had no idea had a need, an illness, a sickness. It wasn't like anything like that. It was just this seemed to be a normal, healthy child, and. Um, I prayed for that season, and then I, I got up and I thought, okay, what do I do now? If I go and, and tell his parents that I was just interceding on behalf of their child and their child's health, I'm going to scare them to death because uh, we don't know anything about that. So I didn't feel the, I didn't feel the uh, release to do that much. But I, it marked my spirit still the, the way that, that the Lord would take me into prayer for a specific person like that with such intensity. And then it was just probably a week or two later that in conversation with, with uh, his dad, I said, hey, I just want to tell you about what happened that past Sunday. And I was praying and, and I prayed for your son. And here's, I was expecting him to, you know, complete the other side of the miracle. Well, that's awesome, because here's what happened. All he said was, I don't know what to say, but thank you. And that was enough for me. 
See, I don't know what the Lord did in that moment. And it's not up to us to know. We don't have to know. But I would hate to think about what might have happened if in that moment the prayer that was needed to be made was not made. So we talked about this, that verse, the effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man a few weeks back. That is, in the praying, as the prayer is being prayed the way that it should, when it should, how it should be made, that type of prayer produces, accomplishes what needs to be accomplished. So I encourage you, allow the Lord to lead you in prayer. There's something wrong with our walk and our relationship with God if I know exactly what my prayer time is going to look like every time start to finish. That's really not prayer time. That's me time talking to God. But see, if if I just approach the Lord and say, "I'm I'm making myself available for prayer, as it says in James, I want to pray the way you want prayer to be made and in doing such he says I can use this prayer I can use your time I can use you as the vessel to pray the effectual fervent prayer why don't we stand together Lord we're thankful for the ways that you have ministered here today We're thankful, O God, for the power that rests in you. The healing power, the healing virtue that rests in you. It is a part of who you are. Jesus, we're thankful for it. We claim it today in the name of Jesus. Lord, every need that we have that's been represented here, we claim it today in the name of Jesus. And we commit ourselves to continued prayer. We commit ourselves to continued prayer at your service, at your beckoning and at your calling, Jesus. As you want to lead me in prayer, Lord, I make myself available to you. As you want to use me and my voice and my words, I make myself available to you in prayer. In the name of Jesus. Come on, he's doing something right now. Would you just say that? I make myself available to you. He wants to transform your prayer. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. We make ourselves available to you, Jesus. In the name of Jesus. When I was a teenager, the song that we probably sang more than any other song, and it felt like every week at some point or another, the song would be sung, If you can use anything, you can use me. I heard that so much, it felt like it was on repeat in my head, whether I knew it was there or not. But and in hearing that, I, I you know, you just think, what are you going to use me for? What are you going to do? But what we're saying here today is, whatever he wants to do, 
however he wants to do it. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Bishop, for ministering to us today. I'm going to invite our usher.